to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine, a podcast that teaches you as much as you've been pretending that you know about wine. I am Madeline Quigley. Not am Madeline Quigley. You ready? Guess so. Ready as you'll ever be? Sure. And we're back been a little bit. It feels like a while since we've done this. It has. It has been. I honestly don't even remember the last time. Maybe we talked about gifting wine, you think? Yes, I believe so. That was a lot. That really does... No. We did something between now and then, maybe. Regardless, he's not interested in talking about time. Uh, We're back. We're in Santa's literal workshop right now. Uh, My mom wraps Christmas gifts in my dad's office right now, so we are just surrounded like don't have room to breathe or move uh with wrapping paper and there's a christmas tree and tissue paper and it's very festive um in here what do you think dad correct yeah there's yeah it's it's something and i'm um i'm kind of cold it's really cold here in pittsburgh i still have my puffer coat on and the heated blanket and he's like, wrap it up. No one cares about this. They came here for one thing. Um, so today, do you want to introduce the topic, Mr. Let's Get the Show on the Road? Today we're going to talk about the wines of Spain. Espanol. Which is uh, a nice contrast to where we are now because most of Spain presumably is a lot warmer than we are here. Yeah, I'm pretty cold. And I also- there are parts of Spain that get cold mountainous regions i also just realized i said espanol which is spanish and i meant espana Hmm. which is spain um though i do have my beret on right now which maybe we should just totally deviate talk about french wines instead well except that we have a uh, rioja wine sitting yeah we already have an open bottle of wine next time i'll just keep the beret on until then but before i guess we'll sip the wine and then i'm going to interrupt I'm going to throw a curveball at my dad, so I hope he's ready. So we have wine in front of us. He's already said it's a Rioja, uh, and I can agree. Magister Bibiandi. Looks like Bibendi to me. Bibendi. I mean, honestly, yeah. I like nearly failed Spanish. Should I take off my puffy coat? Do you think it's going to be really loud? Could be. Could Depends be on our cold jar. I can. For the love of the show. And I'm going to take off my beret because it's itchy and... Uh, not on theme. Okay. Graciando Reserva. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also a, a shiny gold sticker yeah. on the label. There's only won some award or one whatever. Award. But, uh, yeah, the reason I chose this wine is that it is, uh, comes from one of the largest, uh, producing areas, which is Rioja. Rioja is a region and... You know, for most people, is synonymous with Spanish wine. Okay, can I interrupt with two questions? Okay. He's like, should have expected this. Number one being, are there any grapes in Spain that I'd recognize, like Pinot or Chardonnay grapes or? Uh, pretty much, Hello. not a whole lot. Not a whole it, lot. So they're kind of doing their own thing. Mostly, yes. And uh, Rio uh, Rioja. Can you name me like a big city or at least give me like a north, northwest, uh, north, south? <laughs> Get it? What um, I said? You didn't even pick it up. Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, Rioja 
is sort of, if you look at Madrid as the center of the clock. Yeah. Uh, Rioja is at about 1230, uh, shy, probably about 100 miles shy of the water, the Bay of Biscay. Oh, okay, so, so north we're north. Of, so it's north of we're Madrid. Getting, are we near Francais? Um, getting reasonably close to so the So I Pyrenees. can put on my beret again. If you wish, yes. We can <laughs> see the Pyrenees from here, yes. All right, so that's where we are with this grape. Right. Um, and what do you think of the wine that we have? I like it. I'm trying to think of if, it, if I can relate it to any grape I know or if I can say anything somewhat intelligent about it. Yeah, I think you'll find it difficult to relate it to something else because it is very unique. It, it is isn't... Des it's described generally as being very perfumed. I was going to say it seems fruity. Yes. But it's it's like not acidic, very... It's not... Tannic. It's not uh, tannic. I think it's... It's like balanced, but a little tannic. Tannic in a balanced way. Is that a thing I can say? Sure. He's like... You're allowed to say whatever you want. I want to interrupt you, though. I thought you already did. Before we... <laughs> That's what this show is. Yeah. <laughs> I Interrupt Ad is an, our new working title. Basically, this well, winter break, which is what I'm calling this time, even though I'm not in school. I'm an adult. Um, I've like been trying to take a break and and read, and so I picked up this issue of Food and Wine we had hanging around the house. And on the fifth page, there was an advertisement, a well done advertisement because I took the time to read it and am now talking about it with you from the, the some company called or I don't even know it's an organization called Wines from Spain is the name of the um, organization and I think it just is an organization that tries to sell Spanish wine in the United States and they took an advertisement out in Food and Wine magazine and it's a cartoon and it basically says if you like this you'll like that. So I'm just going to kind of read if you like Pinot Grigio you'd love Alberino. Correct. If you're a fan of Sauvignon Blanc you'll adore Verdejo. Verdicchio or Verdejo. 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 We both We're going to talk wrong. about that from Rueda. I'm stealing, stealing your thunder. Stealing thunder. Were you yeah. going to go in this method? Did you draw a cartoon, Dad? And no, you're like, I did not. No. Well, why don't, we, why don't we do that at the end? But are you so far impressed with this advertisement? Uh, well, presumably they know their own wines. Yeah. Yes. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I was just thinking, well, I knew we were doing this Maybe episode. Maybe allowed to peruse that. You may look at it all you want. I just was really impressed because I knew we were doing this episode and I was reading this. And I was like, maybe we should be hiring a graphic designer to make us advertisements like this or cartoons or we should have a zine. Um, yes, I'm, we're actually going to talk about most of these ones. Oh, all right. Well, then at least I have some basis to ask about. Sure. So I'm very big picture. Mm -hmm. I think it's the easiest way to explain stuff like this, or at least get a, a uh, basic understanding. So is Spain broken, the country of Spain, and we can almost imagine it as a square, is it kind of broken up into regions um, kind of like France or, or um It's broken Italy? up into wine regions. There's really no rhyme or reason as to why those regions are where they are, other than some geographic uh, In, uh, propensities. 
Is it like France in the sense that certain um, grapes... Are certain grapes in a certain area in Spain and they wouldn't be found elsewhere? Well, certain areas had traditional grapes that they grew, which continued to this day. And other areas are much more experimental, like um, Rioja, switching over from Graciano to the Tempranillo grape. So, when They're we... allowed to do that, though. Yeah, in terms of the, the wine laws and... Spain have only been sort of solidified in the last few decades. Okay. So all this had sort of occurred before the laws started to set things in stone. Okay. So it, I think the easiest way to, to do this is to kind of, in, in your mind, look at the map of Spain, which, as you say, is kind of like a square with a rectangle of Portugal cut out yeah. in the bottom bottom left. Yeah. So right above the rectangle that's cut out, where Portugal is, right along the Atlantic coast, is an area called Galicia, and that's where the Albarino grape is grown, and that's the the wine is called Rias Bias. Why? That's uh, what it's called. <laughs> so it's the Albarino grape, grape. makes Rias Bias. Correct. And or, is this or like a Rias Bias is from various designated areas within Galicia. Uh, and most of that, most of that wine is going to be Albarino grape. And how close to the coast is it? Uh, virtually on the coast. So you got to think there's going to be some maritime influence. Big time maritime influence, and um, it is sort of like a, it's a it's a light uh, acidic wine. Uh, what did they compare it to? Pinot, Pinot Grigio. Grigio. Yeah. Are you going to compare it to what's the popular one in uh, in uh, Portugal? Uh, Vino Verde, which yeah. is uh, just on the other side of the border, which also contains, often contains Albarino grape, but can also contain a bunch of other grapes as well. Um, so this is like kind of like a light, acidic, summer yeah. wine, like right. a Vino Verde, just like a crisp. Yes. But you're not drinking Dad's dreaded Pinot Grigio. You're drinking a Rias Bias, you know. You're, right, it you're, sounds a lot more exotic It when sounds you go a lot more exotic than <laughs> Pinot Grigio. Okay, right. that's good to know. So that's a little square above Portugal. Right. Um, and then if you had um, probably about 50, 70 miles over. To the right. To the right. East also, people would maybe. Yes, heading east. Um, you come to a very isolated mountainous area uh, called Bierzo which has become uh, uh, a lot more recognized over the last uh, uh, probably 15 or 20 years, uh, mainly due to a very famous winemaker who came from uh, a different part and then started developing wines there. But this is a very unique uh, area because, because of the grape, which is grown essentially just there, which is the Mencia great now uh, i think that's also on your cheat sheet there and i don't know what they compare mencia to um uh, Men mencia mencia is not on my little cheat sheet here you sure i thought it was no so this is a really uh wonderful medium bodied wine which um has not been getting very much uh, airtime 
And I uh, love it when Dad gives us hipster wine suggestions. Precisely. So if you see a, if you see a a Bierzo on the on a wine list someplace, it's probably going to be relatively inexpensive. And the wine is reliably good. And unique. What would you compare it to? They're doing like a little, if you like this, you you would like that. Is there... yeah, yeah, I think it's a um, kind of a Zinfandel, somewhere between a okay. Pinot and a Zinfandel. It's not quite as big and fruity and uh, alcoholic as a, a Zin. Zin. So it's kind of a notch or two down towards a, a Pinot Noir. Can I just uh, kind of stop you? Because I'm starting to get a little confused. Like in France... You know, a wine is a Bordeaux, and to say it's a Bordeaux, it's it's from an area, and it's a mix of X, Y, and Z grapes. What when you call it like a Rias Bias wine, mm-hmm. would you say it's a Rias Bias, or would you say it's an Alberino? Like, what would you call that wine? Well, one is the location, and one is a type of wine, and the other is is the grape. But colloquially, in Spain, yeah, in Spain. The majority of the wine falls under their DO classification. They have a yeah. governance. And those DO classifications are locale. Okay. So you would say, oh, tonight I'm serving a Rias Bias with our... Well, except for Rias Bias because it's so traditional. It's been there for so long. It, it's beyond the, the DO rules. But like Rioja is prescribed on the map. And if you make a... A Rioja Tempranillo there, they have yield prescriptions as well as how long it has to age in, in barrel. Right, right, right. So it's kind of similar to En Francais. More and more, I'm thinking I should put my beret back on. <laughs> we are heading towards the pyramids. Yeah, we are heading towards... I'm just, I'm just uh, yeah, trying to get a grasp on like which... You know, it's always a struggle for me when I look at the label, which word is actually like the important, the, imper- the important word. And so with these yeah. foreign wines, that's always even harder when it's not even in my language. So well, this, this bottle we have here is particularly troublesome because um, the Rioja does appear on the label. So 99 times out of 100, you would think, ah, Tempranillo, except it's not. It's a different group. Okay, well, then at least but I know that Rioja of, is the word But about. because it's an accepted varietal out of Rioja, this is a DOC. It's actually a, a DO. Rioja and Prior Rod are two areas that go beyond DO and are called DOCs or DOGs, I should say. All right, well, let's keep... This is the way I think let's we should keep moving. play it. We got to keep moving because we're sure. already at 15 minutes and this is all yeah. I'm going to say. I think we should play the greatest hits at that's, this point. That's what I'm trying to do. I know you are, and I keep interrupting you. And if people like this, which I think they will, uh, they should email or Instagram message us or something, and we can do a part two, like the one one tier down. Well, what I'm trying to do is to give not only an overview, but also an introduction to wines that people may not have heard of, but are very accessible wines that are relatively inexpensive because most wine out of Spain is not expensive. I mean, there are the occasional big growths in Rioja that sell for 100 or $200 a bottle, but that's very unusual. So what I'd like to do is just to jump just a little bit south and maybe about another 100 miles to the east toward the Pyrenees. So we're kind of north center? Um, almost to the center. So there's, there's three areas that are right next to one another along the Duero, Duero River, and that's uh, Toro, Rueda, 
and Ribera del Duero. And these are the areas. These are the areas. So it's probably easiest just to, to take the outlier, which is in the middle, which is Rueda, um, which produces the Verdejo uh, grape. So a Verdejo from Rueda is another lovely white wine, acidic. Uh, They're comparing very, it very to Sauvignon fruity. Blanc. Um, again, not a, not a bad comparison. It's, it's not a Chardonnay in terms of being a, a big, heavy fruit bomb. It's more a summer wine or something for, you know, quaffing for cocktails. I'm kind of loving meal. Spanish wine because it seems like Spanish wine really fits in with Spain. It's yes. like all these wines sound like yes. something I'd want to drink while in Spain. Right. While you're having little little tastes. Top, yeah, tapas somewhere. And, yes. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, it, it matches very nicely. Now, the other two areas, the uh, Toro and uh, Riviera. And they're on the left and right. Correct. And then if we just head another 40 miles to the east. Um, We're getting near Bar- Barcelona. Yeah, we are. We're heading that way. We get to Rioja. So the reason that okay. I, I throw all three together is that these are the three big um, Tempranillo producing areas. So all the great Tempranillo wines that you see coming out of Spain are going to be from those three areas. So it isn't just Rioja making great uh, Tempranillo. You've also got Riviera, Del Duero, as well as Toro. So this, so what we have is Tempranillo? No. Sorry, you already told us. Yes. Rio, you already told me what it was. Yeah, this is a very unusual yeah, this is... find, the Graciano. Okay, so Tempranillo is but kind of north center. And in that yes. area, they also have Verdejo? Well, as we said, it's kind of tucked in among one of the areas. Okay. It's the, uh, um, is Rueda, and that area produces the uh, Verdejo. And... So you would see both of those words on the label. Okay, you see Verdeja. But this the, the one back, doesn't have the type of see the grape back of every, on it. Yes, it does. Oh, well, I, listen, I almost failed Spanish, so... Yeah, right here, Graciano. Oh, that's... Okay. And the back of every Spanish wine... Cheat sheet. ...has this, has this hologram... It looks giz- like a Pokemon card. Yeah, gizmo, and then it tells you what area it's from. So this is certified from... Rioja. Why doesn't every wine do that? That's amazing. Well, it's a Spanish cheat. So on the back of every Spanish label, if it comes from a DO area. It'll have a little postage stamp that says where it came where, from. I'm yeah, obsessed with that and I wish every wine would do, yes. would do that. Okay, so we're kind of, are we going to go to Barcelona? Am I offending people by doing that or should I? Well, that's because the, the local natives presumably... Don't don't or don't roll the the R. Yeah, they they pronounce well, it. Well, Catalan, yeah, Catalonian Catalan, Spanish but, has that. Catalonia, but now I'm but, like I'm gonna offend people and they're gonna like blast us on well, the news for me doing that. If you've ever been to Barcelona, you you know that it's like I have. The, you took me there. One of the most cosmopolitan. I was just speaking. In <laughs> one of the most cosmopolitan, amazing cities in the world, and um, so if you go there. Um, there are two day trips that are a must do. One has nothing to do with wine, which is uh, which is the Montserrat um, Monastery, which is tucked thousands of feet up into the amazing these 
hills and you can't believe anybody built anything there, much less... Absolute must, must do. Yeah, just an extraordinary place. And also, uh, again, about 90 minutes south um, west of the, of the city is the wine area, Priorat, which arguably produces the best wines in all of Spain. So this is a DO area. It's actually even beyond DO. It's a DOG. Oh, There's gosh. only two DOG areas, Rioja huh. and Priorat. Okay. So uh, the Priorat wines uh, are actually relatively newcomers to the world stage. Really only developed in the uh, 80s and 90s when it was realized that there were these ancient Grenache um, vines that were native to the area. But it's a, a very narrow area, and it's defined by a very characteristic soil, which I don't know the Spanish word, but the English translation is basically licorice. Because when you look down on the ground, the stones are all black-colored, and it's very distinctive, and it's all very mountainous, and all of the farming has to be done by hand. There's, you, you can't do any... And the yields are ridiculously low. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, for instance... What kind of grape are they doing? So, the the most common Grenache? grape is Grenache, uh-huh. um, followed by Carignan. Okay, can I just... This image of Grenache has a wine glass, and they have a strawberry jam jar going into the glass. So, if they're comparing it to Merlot, I think they're saying... I just picture that as like a really fruity tannic wine. You well, don't like Merlot, right? Well, Merlot is a is a acceptable wine in the sense that it tends to be um, very very accessible. It, it doesn't yeah, have like a I lot drink of structure. It in college. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of structure to it. But um, I don't know if I necessarily call Grenache all that fruity. Uh, it Grenache is the primary grape of. Chateauneuf de Pop and some of the great Southern Rhone wines. And those are hardly fruit bombs. Oh, it says meaty flavors, strawberry, jam, and white pepper. Yeah, well, can't believe everything. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. But I don't know everything. So what I would say is that um, if you look at a wine list and there is a wine from Priorat, it's probably going to be relatively expensive. But... On the other hand, these wines are all uniformly excellent. All right. Wines, they're uh, they're really, really terrific. If you love a Merlot or a Shiraz, give it a try. So we're on the coast, on the on the on the east coast now. Yeah. Well, we're in right. We're in the Mediterranean coast, right? All right. Sure. Same diff, my yeah. my friend. Um, so. So the good news is that. Um, uh, we're basically almost done. Well, good, because we're at 27 minutes. <laughs> um, there are other um, areas. Um, the biggest area is actually La Mancha, uh, hence, you know, from which um, the man of La Mancha Don- got his Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Uh, and again, these tend to be Tempranillo-based wines. Um, and then at the very f- southern, nearly the southern tip of uh, Spain, um, you know, again, if you look at Madrid as the center of the clock going down uh, to about six uh, o'clock, yeah, five thirty or so. Okay, um, is the uh, 
uh, area of um, Cadiz, and around that is where the sherry industry is, and that's a very, oh really that's a very different discussion that we could oh, have sherry. on a different day. We should do a Dad Teaches Me About Sherry episode, but I'm not sure you know much about Sherry, do you? A lot more than you do. <laughs> Burn. All right. We also have about six different Sherry sitting in the uh, in the wine. Yeah, we really should drink some of that. I went into my dad's wine cellar, um, which, not to totally expose you, but it was an old cleaning closet. So my dad has like priceless wines above labels that are like Windex. It like was built to be a cleaning closet, but it does look like a wine cellar, but the labels for the cleaning products are still up. So it's like bleach. And then it's like a really nice wine in that slot. Um, but I'm sorry, we totally passed up La Mancha. Is that a DO area? Yes. What, what kind of grapes do they have in there? As I said, mostly Tempranillo. Tempranillo, Tempranillo. So, Tell me about this Tempranillo grape. So the, it seems to be all over the place. It is. It's the Hot or ma- cold. the majority of of land planted to vine in Spain is Tempranillo. Okay, that's it a is big... the most common grape grown there. All right, and it's a medium bodied wine, which can be consumed young, but uh, can also be uh, made uh, in a way that it ages. It's by law usually kept in. Uh, uh, American New Oak barricades, which are 225-liter barrels, these big, huge barrels, for at least a year or so, sometimes up to two years if it's a Reserva. Um, so it, it, it can be a very age-worthy wine. What is your favorite uh, wine from Spain? It probably would be a, a, one of the prior wines. Uh, the most expensive wine from Spain is is actually from Priorat, from very low yield uh, Grenache called Lermite, um, sort of like um, Hermitage in terms of its name. <coughs> that goes so even when I was in outside of Barcelona in a restaurant and in Priorat, it was still going for nearly a thousand dollars a bottle. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> he doesn't joke about these things. Um, but my, I think my favorite, though, is actually Clo Erasmus, which is just a different producer in Priorat. All these grapes, the Alberino, the Verdeja, the Grenache, the Tempranillo, would, do you find these outside of Spain, or are these like truly like Spanish-exclusive grapes? The uh, Tempranillo is indigenous Spain, but has been grown in the United States and South South America and various other places. Oh, really? So you will see it outside of Spain. Uh, the Grenache is presumably a, a French, primarily a French grape uh, that sort of came over the Pyrenees. Okay. Um, and that's why it's in where it is, which because... You know, if you look at the geography, the uh, Priorat area isn't all that far from the border. Um, I'm going to just read off the last couple of boxes. Godel, Godeo, Monstrea, Monstrel, Mencia. So Sherry has its own distinctive list of grapes, which are very characteristically Spanish. 
there are no world varietal that are used uh, in sherry. Oh, really? Correct. Sherry does its own thing. You want to do a sherry episode? Do you think people will be into it? Yeah, I do. Do you think sherry's so, in your little book right there? Uh, not. There's a little bit about it, but uh, I've actually... Before we went to Spain, I actually read a lot about it, and we actually have something like five out of the six basic sherries because there's different ways that sherry is made. Fino being the most, uh, uh, being the, the the driest, most uh, most like a, a a white wine, and it's wonderful as a aperitif before um, uh, before a meal. But the irony was when we went to Barcelona and Spain years ago, uh, it wasn't all that easy to get sherry in the yeah. restaurant. I don't uh, remember. I wasn't on that mindset. Yes. But because it, it had fallen out of favor. Well, it has, and that's what's so crazy is that these things that caused such, like port and sherry, which were just huge trade, and now no one like, no one. There's no taste for it. Well, and it's, you know, again, it's too bad because the, the whole thing is getting tossed out as one um, as one entity when, in fact, the, the, there's a whole um, palette of different flavors when it comes to sherry. Well, maybe when we do our sherry episode, we can pick a bottle that would be a really interesting pre... You said one is a good kind of pre-meal wine? Yes. Yeah. Maybe we could pick a good pre-meal wine... That people could consider serving at their next dinner party or something as a oh good. absolutely because that's a that'd be a really interesting conversation starter. Even I'll, how about you figure that out, and I'll figure out like ten fun facts on sherry. I can bring up some like conversation starters on sherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, the most widely distributed sherry is a fino, and it's called Tio Pepe. And that is available in most um, liquor stores. In most liquor stores, so you should be able to at least find a fino um, to sort of get started if you're interested in sherry. Well, speaking of white wine, I do want to throw in one final. Um, Go for it. Yeah, the mic which, is yours. Which again is around um, centered around Barcelona, uh, just uh, southeast or southwest of there, in the. Uh, uh, I guess the Panetti's area of Catalonia, which uh, produces cava, which is cava. the famous sparkling wine of the of the area, which is made in the method of champagne. I think that cava and prosecco are some of the most like underrated, like especially if you're hosting a party. And what a nice like way to greet your guests with just like a glass of cava or prosecco. It's it's it can be relatively inexpensive and it's so fun and and well, bubbly. Think about the rest the nice restaurants that we went to in both Spain and in Italy. That's how they would Yeah. They would just come to the table and sit and just pour you a glass of a prosecco in Italy and cava in Spain. It's just, you know, welcome to our establishment. That totally happens. No, I, I I love that. I think it, and it's true. It was such a like you sat down and they poured you a little bubbly and the issue is glasses. If you throw a party for a whole bunch of people, where are you gonna get your your little flutes? My thought is the dollar store. People don't go to the dollar store enough. They have really great plastic 
uh, flutes there. I think you can get like a two or three pack for a dollar. All right, are we done with Spain? <laughs> like, please stop talking before they realize we're related. Uh, we just kind of hit the big ones and talked about some grapes and talked about kind of the way the country was broken down. But if people would like to hear more about like kind of, you know, interesting regions in Spain, trust me, he's got things to say on that. So we'd love uh, for you to leave feedback. I just want to give a quick shout out to Kathleen. She left me a comment on my Instagram saying she was obsessed with our podcast and that she was a Pittsburgh foodie and that she loved it. And I said, thanks so much for the compliment. I will totally give you a shout out on our podcast. So that is me doing that right now. Hi, everyone. Maddie here, just popping in a couple days later through the magical powers of post-show editing. Basically, while I was editing this podcast, I tried to do a little bit of research on the whole Barcelona, Barcelona thing because I was really curious about it. Kind of unsurprisingly to me, I couldn't find a ton of information on this online, but I did find this uh, really interesting blog post by this guy named Mikel, and it's actually very interesting because coincidentally he is a published wine uh, writer, so maybe I'll send this episode over to him and he can totally critique everything we said, but basically he just writes about how people say Barcelona. He kind of like tries to figure out why people do that and how they don't they can just say Barcelona. He doesn't get why that... People basically, he's like, no one says Valencia or Ibiza, like for some reason... And it's not just Americans. People in other countries just always call it Barcelona. And he tried to figure out why. And he kind of relates it back to the 1992 Olympics and how Bob Costas on TV was calling it that. And it's it's just, it's just really interesting. But I think the funniest thing is people left some comments. And the one guy kind of equated it to saying that that is the correct way to pronounce Barcelona is like going up to someone and saying the correct way to say New Orleans is Nalines. It's just like that's not actually how it's pronounced. So I'm going to link the blog post in the bio. I think it's just an interesting um, perspective from someone who actually has more information on the region than I do. So thank you, and here's the rest of whatever we were talking about. All right, bye. Uh, If you would like a shout out on our podcast, it's very simple. All you have to do is go to our um, iTunes page, Dad Teaches Me About Wine, and leave us a review. It helps us so much, and um, we really appreciate it. Otherwise, if you need any updates on the show, like for example, we skipped a week for the holidays, and we have that on our Instagram page. So that's the best place for all information. That's at Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email them over to dadteachesmeaboutwine at gmail.com. Even if you're like, I'm having a party and I this is what I'm serving and I don't know what wine to pair it with, I'll text my dad. We'll get you an answer. It can happen. Uh, we're happy to help you out. Um, yeah, otherwise, happy holidays, everyone. I think this is the final episode before... Or will this episode be in... In the new year. Oh, well, happy new year, everyone. 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, Dad, any final remarks? No. Okay, classic. All right, well, cheers to that, everyone.